Happy Monday, Metalheads. Welcome to another episode of The Detsillion Mind. I'm your host, Jason. Well, we are nearing the end of our little journey through the discography of Metallica Studio Albums. We finished up the last one a few weeks ago, and uh, now what I'm doing is I'm going through some miscellaneous songs, whether they're singles or whether they are from deluxe editions or uh, like extended editions, uh, stuff like that, live albums that have uh, um, songs on them that aren't on any of the other studio albums, but still material that was uh, done by them. That wasn't, that's not a cover of another band or anything like that. So um, there's quite a bit here. Roughly the amount of what would be considered a, an album, if you would. So it's kind of miscellaneous, but it's a, a miscellaneous uh, randomized uh, album if you want to look at it that way. Um, so we'll just kind of run through these real quick. There isn't many of them. There's uh, about 10, I would say. So yeah, like I said, roughly uh, a Metallica album, you know, worth of miscellaneous songs that have come and gone throughout the years, um, whether it's singles or deluxe editions or like an own little separate uh, EP or something like that. So um, let's kind of kick into it and this will round out all the material for Metallica and then uh, after that will be one more uh, episode. So uh, let's dive into what remains of Metallica's uh, resume, if you will, of material. First up is the song Fuel for Fire. This was written primarily by Hetfield and Ulrich in terms of the lyrics, but it also musically was written by um, Kirk Hammett and Jason Newstead. This appeared on two different uh I guess tracks or records, if you will, for Metallica. The first one being the Memory Remains single from November 11th of 1997. And then the second one, the more official one that it's known for, is the NASCAR Full Throttle soundtrack. Uh, came out October 16th of 2001. And um, for a while there for a couple years, Fuel for Fire was the, like, official theme song for NASCAR. And so, what this song is, is it's really the, the, the demo, the original version of Fuel from Reload. Different lyrics, and, uh, really, I think it's, uh, it's a bit heavier. It's got better lyrics, in my opinion. Uh, just overall, I think it's a better version of Fuel. And so I gave Fuel a three. I like Fuel for Fire. I, I have always liked it ever since I heard it when it came out on the NASCAR uh, compilation album, Full Throttle. And uh, so I've always figured this to be a better version of Fuel, even though it's the original version, the, the demo version. So I'm going to give this song a four. Um, it's just, uh, I think it's done, just done better. I think the lyrics are better. I think that it's heavier, it's harder. Uh, it's more Metallica than what uh, Fuel would be considered. 
so um, we can chalk uh, Fuel for Fire up to another one of, on the list of my favorite songs that get a four. Moving on, another original song or, or demo song from their Reload album. This song is called Mine Eyes. And like I mentioned, it's the original version or the, the demo version of the song Low Man's Lyric. Just like the previous song, Feel for Fire, it's still the same concept behind the song as what uh, Low Man's Lyric is. So Mine Eyes, like I said, literally just, you know, the, the original version of it, the original title, the original lyrics. Um, this came out... The, uh, the Metallica Club and some other online music sites uh, throughout the, uh, the decades. Um, and this came, first came out or appeared at least uh, November 15th, 1998. So once again, this is going to be their, uh, their primary, um, I guess, uh, lineup from the 90s. So it would be uh, Hammett, Ulrich, Hetfield and Newstead. I rate this song a two. Um, I do think that it's, you know, it's heavier. It's there's more melancholy in the vocals. Um, I think they put more emotion into the music and and the the lyrics in terms of just singing it. When it comes to the lyrics themselves. I don't really like it too terribly much. I do like the lyrics, but I think they repeat it way too much. And as a result, I give this song a two. I think if they would have, you know, gone forward with it and and applied different verses rather than just keep repeating the verse and chorus over and over again, I think it'd be a lot better of a song and I would have ranked it uh, at least on par with Low Man's Lyric because... Uh, I wrote, uh, or I, I, I rated Low Man's Lyric a four. It's one of my favorites. You know, it's kind of got a lot of uh, Irish vibes to it, uh, as well as hard rock and, and uh, you know, ballad-type uh, vibe. Um, this song, not quite as much of, like, an Irish, uh, you know, vibe to it, but it still has a lot of uh, heaviness to it. Um so it's just slightly different, you know, I would say compared to uh, Low Man's Lyric. But the, the main thing that really detracts from this song is just its repetitive vocals. Uh, it's, I mean, it's repetitive, repetitive lyrics. The vocals are great. The music is great. Um, I do like the lyrics. I just don't like that they repeat over and over and over again for, I don't know how many minutes, four or five, maybe six minutes. So... You know, after the second round, it's, it's just ad nauseum boredom. So, once again, uh, Mine Eyes, I rank it a two. Um, just come out with better stuff. Don't just repeat the, the, uh, the verse and the chorus. But like I said, the verse and the chorus, I think, are pretty good. I think they should have, at the very least, been added in Low Man's Lyric. But they didn't, so... They uh, decided to scrap it and go with something else, a.k.a. Low Man's Lyric. But I think if they would have combined the two uh, pieces of lyrics, they would have had a really, really good song, a really good combo of it all. So um, 
Shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, mine eyes, I give it a two. Now, next up on the on the list is uh, the song "I Disappear." Once again, it's got the uh, the more popular member listing as before, with Newstead in the band and the other three uh, main band members. This song came out on the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, which was released May 9th of 2000. And the best way I can describe this is, you know, it kind of plays into the whole Mission Impossible uh, series that uh, Tom Cruise stars in. And uh, the way I kind of view it is just kind of like the... uh, the ghostly presence of, of spies and agents, how they are there one moment and then they just kind of disappear, you know, they kind of fade into being just a ghost or a phantom, you know, and to the point where, you know, you're left wondering, did I really see that person there? You know, was it, was, was I imagining that person or, or were they really there? You know? So, and, and even when they do make their presence known, if they're a good agent or spy, they will just disappear right again into the void and then you're left wondering where'd they go you kind of get that vibe with 007 you know how he's there one moment then he's gone and if you're not left wondering where he went others left wondering where did they where did they go so um you can kind of see that in the lyrics um you can kind of get that vibe with the, uh, the music video and the music, um, but I ranked this song at two, I, I'm indifferent towards it, you know, I, I'm not gonna go out of my way to listen to the song, but I'm not gonna change the station if I hear it playing, the main reason why I give it a two is because it does tend to repeat very frequently in terms of the lyrics, you know, the verses and the chorus, and, um, is very commercialized. So you can tell that this song was written to kind of fit the, uh, the, the soundtrack as well as the, the movie, in this case, the movie series. So, um, I think it was very industrialized, very commercialized for that purpose. And therefore I just rank it a two because it's, you know, I kind of feel like you know, Metallica was a little bit hamstringed in terms of writing the song, or maybe they just kind of quickly did it, you know, just to kind of get their name on the uh, soundtrack and uh, be part of that whole thing, you know, so I, I don't know, I, I just kind of feel like it was, it was rushed at the very least, if not, it was very, hype, very hyper-commercialized, and that's why you get the repetitive and the lyrics that are kind of, you know, so-so. I think, I think Metallica could have done a better job with the lyrics, but, you know, it is what it is, so for that, I I rank it a two. Uh, The next up on the list is the song Lords of Summer, and this is basically from a a deluxe edition of Hardwired to Self-Destruct, which came out on November 18th, 2016. So this has the current member lineup with Trujillo as the bassist. And it's kind of got two different meanings to it. 
One can be it's you know kind of coming out of the uh, the woodwork and going to a Metallica concert, kind of harkening back to their uh, um, motor breath or uh, um, some of those other hit the lights. You know some of their early songs from the, the album Kill 'Em All, where they talk about you know being up on stage or being in the uh, in the crowd during a metal concert. So he kind of has some of that vibes, you know, especially given that it was first aired or first uh, sung during a live um, concert. And uh, it was to kind of, if I remember correctly, it was to either kind of hint at a new album, a.k.a. uh, Hardwired to Self-Destruct, or maybe it was after the album was released, I, I can't exactly remember when uh, when it actually was played live concert-wise. Um, I want to say it was to kind of throw a new song to the crowd as kind of a hint that, hey, we got a new album coming out, which will eventually become Hardwired to Self-Destruct. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, anyway, uh, eventually it does show up on the Hardwired to help Hardwired to Self-Destruct album, the Deluxe Edition, which includes um, some other songs. Mainly, uh, they are um, covering other band songs, as well as uh, doing some other additions for some of their uh, previously recorded songs. So, uh, Lords of Summer, like I said, I thought it was about kind of, you know, going to a concert, more specifically a Metallica concert, but just like a, your favorite band member con- concert in general. Um, but uh, that's not quite what it is. It, it's actually about um, how the band was kind of coming out of a slump. You know, uh, they're coming out of their, their quote-unquote uh, creative winter. And so um, the song title, Lords of Summer, is kind of hi- highlighting that they are, um, you know getting back into summer, getting back into full bloom when it comes to the creativity, when it comes to their, um, you know, album creation, their song creation, kind of revitalizing who they are as a band and the, and the, the music that they play. So um, that's kind of where the song ultimately went in terms of its meaning. Either way, I do think it's a pretty nice, um, you know, theme, if you will, a lyrical theme, either in, a, in either case, uh, I guess you can play it in a much more general sense to just kind of coming out of your own cocoon, you know, rediscovering or discovering who you are and your, your own, your own personal or your, your own unique individual creativity. Um, but in the case of the band, it just means them as a band, them as individual members of that band coming out of like a, a slumber, a, uh, a winter and, uh, getting into spring and summer and kind of re-blossoming and, and kind of becoming recreative in who they are as a band and individual members of that band. So, um, I rank this song a three. You know, I think it's pretty decent. You know, it, it, it's, a good, it's a good song. You know, it's definitely something that I think would have been exciting to hear play live, especially if it was for the first time. So, um, I think there, you know, that, that this song might hold some special meaning to a lot of people terms of, you know, like I said, coming out over the, the winter months in the spring and going to a Metallica concert and enjoying the band, 
and hearing a, a brand new song for the first time, I think that, uh, you know, can kind of uh, speak volumes to what that can mean to, to individuals, you know, as fans of a particular band. In this case, Metallica. So, I rank the song a three. Next up, there, there's two of them here. And both of these songs come from the SNM live concert album. The first song is titled Minus Human. This is, once again, with the uh, 90s era lineup of Metallica, where Jason Newstead is the bassist. And then, obviously, the uh, the main three that make up the, uh, the, the, the main members of the band. Um, the SNM album came out in uh, November 23rd of 1999, and this was the uh, live album that, that featured uh, Michael Kamen directing the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra, um, and they most recently came out with uh, SNM 2 a few years back here. Um, and they kind of reprised the whole vibe once again with the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. But at this point, for Part Two or, or SNM Two, they did have a new conductor because I believe Michael Kamen had passed away um, five to ten years after SNM, something like that. I know he. I think if I remember correctly, he passed away in the mid, sometime in the in the two thousands. So. Um, Come SNM two, a couple of years back here now, um, the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra did have a different conductor composer um, leading them. But for SNM, which came out in 1999, we had Michael Kamen, who I think was a very brilliant composer and conductor. Um, really great listening to his some of his stuff uh, um, and the. the the orchestra that he will he will lead, even if it's not Metallica, just other stuff. You know, he, he kind of reminds me of John Williams. Just you know, I think two profound classical music um, composers and uh, conductors, and uh, definitely got to listen to their works. You know, uh, outside of Metallica. But uh, anyway, back to Minus Human. Um, the way that I interpreted Minus Human is the. Is, you know, it's about feeling alive again, um, and kind of coming out of once again that your own personal slumber as who you are. You know, kind of harkening back to what I talked about with Lords of Summer. You know, but kind of feeling alive again, and I, I kind of you know imagine this as being part of an overall idea of you know not only feeling alive again, but also feeling important again, or like you matter, especially as you kind of uh, get further and further in age, as you advance in age, uh, still feeling that, um, that connection, that, that vibrancy of being alive and not feeling like you're less of a human, hence the name of the title, the, the, the song title, uh, Minus Human, you know, so not allowing something whether it's age or social constructs, whatever it may be, um, not allowing those things to make you feel like less of a human, 
feeling like a minus human, you know, a subhuman, if you will. Uh, so feeling vibrant, feeling alive, um, and uh, not allowing yourself to just go asleep, if you will, to to uh, wither to wither away. Uh, definitely a good song. I ranked this song a four. Um, I'm not exactly sure how the song would sound without the orchestra in the background. So I guess that that might give this song a little vaunted advantage uh, in terms of being ranked a four. But overall, I, I think it's really hard and heavy. It's, it's you know kind of on the heels of the load and reload era where they were kind of being chastised for not being metal enough. And kind of selling out and going more hard rock or more mainstream rock and stuff like this. Um, but to be honest, um, I think that this song demonstrates that not only can Metallica still be metal, but they can do it with a classical symphony behind them. You know, so it's kind of like one of those. Oh yeah, well, hold my beer while I just show you just how metal I am with the symphony behind me. You know, that, that's, that, I mean, that, that's, you know, that, I think that speaks volume. So that, that's why I like this song because it does harken back. It does show the world that they're still metal and that they are still rooted in some of their classical vibes, like what you hear from the eighties uh, when Cliff Burton was still around and even into, uh, and justice for all. So, um, it's definitely a, a song that really, uh, brings back, uh, Memories from like the, the the 80s from when they, they first got going their their uh, their debut decade if you will. Uh, next up on the list from S and M is the song No Leaf Clover, and this song is about how bad luck can ruin someone someone's good intention or someone's good fortune, and. Uh, you know, the, the lyrics are really, you know, I like the lyrics. I think it's a really good and heavy song. You know, once again, just like with Minus Human, it's really capturing the metal vibes that uh, we all know Metallica to to have, you know. So they, they, this, you know, I think the first of the two new songs that came out on the album amidst all the other uh, songs that they had from previous albums that they had on the, on the album, on other albums, but... Uh, you know, um, No Leaf Clover, I, I think, does a really good job of, you know, just kind of displaying how when you think you got it, things going good, when you have some good fortune, get some good luck, and you feel like everything's up in the up, and then you think like that, that bright light that's at the end of the tunnel, you know, you, you think that that's like your, your claim to fame, you know, that's the... Um, you're in the spotlight now. You know what I mean? It's all the, the good and positive things you can come that you can think about when it comes to, you know, having a light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're you're making it type of attitude, you know. Only to find out, as the lyrics suggest, it's actually just a freight train headed your way. And um, yeah, you know, that's that's what the song is about. It's like thinking you're on top of the world, whether it's good fortune, good luck, you know, you're playing the game right. You know, you're making great decisions, the whole nine yards, only to find out it's actually, you know, bad luck. It's a freight train. It's not a four-leaf clover that brings good luck. It's a no-leaf clover, the opposite, bad luck, you know. Um, definitely a really good song. 
Um, I rank it a three. It's not one of my favorites, but I mean, it's it's a good song to jam to. You know, it's it uh, has a good a lyrical theme to it, and overall, definitely a good song to uh, to check out. Uh, hard and heavy, you know, harkening back to you know more metal stuff, but at the same token, it's got some classical vibes to it. So uh, I definitely recommend that you go and enjoy it. So um, that kind of sums up some of the loosey-goosey songs that are kind of miscellaneous singles, what have you, you know, some random pieces here and there that have been kind of left from, left over from previous things. Um, but now they're, the last four are kind of on a, uh, um, an extended play or an extended album. I don't know what exactly you could call it, um, but it's on the quasi-album uh, Beyond Magnetic, and so you find out originally that the band had 14 songs that they had recorded for Death Magnetic, but they cut four songs and they kept the uh, track list to 10. However, years later, Metallica decided to release the other four songs that they had cut from Death Magnetic, and so they kind of came out with this quasi-album, this extended album, if you will, extended play type of thing called Beyond Magnetic. It was released in December 13th, 2021. And once again, this was a Warner Brothers uh, record. Um, All four members are the current lineup with Trujillo as the uh, bassist. The music was the music uh, uh, for the song was written by the four band members of Metallica, but the lyrics themselves were only written by James Hetfield. Uh, so the first song on this four-piece um, EP or, or uh, mini-album, whatever you want to call it, is the song Hate Train. I kind of believed it to be about uh, being wronged and standing by your, your anger and your wrath, even if it ends you. You know, kind of the defiant. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be angry. I'm going. I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to uh, be wrathful even till the end. You know, I'm going to stand by my convictions and just kind of ride this train all the way down. Uh, what it's really about is rage and hate that's developed when somebody, something that you love, is taken from you. Either way, I think it, you know, speaks volumes about, um, you know, it speaks volumes about the human condition. You know, people will get angry when something that they love is taken from them. They'll become rageful. They will seek wrath in many cases. Um, Whether that has positive or negative outcomes... Sometimes people won't care. Sometimes they will care. You know, I think it just speaks to directing your rage, your anger, your your hate, your wrath. Hopefully in a constructive uh, direction, but not necessarily. Um, and so it's kind of it's kind of a cross between that and, and a, a warning. Like you know, make sure you don't you know, if you take some take something from somebody that, 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 something that they love from somebody, be prepared for wrath to come after you, revenge, vengeance to, to, to follow. Uh, I rank this song a four. I think it's really good. It's, 
It's just like, you know, a good chunk of the rest of the album. It's heavy. It's hard. Um, pretty fast and booming at times. Uh, I rank it a four because I like the concept behind it. I like the, uh, um, you know, the, the lyrical theme, the, the lyrics, and I just love the music behind it. It's definitely a Metallica, you know, uh, harkening back to, like, their more hard-heavy metal days, their thrash days from the, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, next up is the song Just a Bullet Away. And basically, it's from what I've been able to garner from it, it's about how life's, mis- how life's misery can lead people to contemplate suicide. Um, I rank this song a three. Uh, I do like it. You know, it's, it's a dark theme, you know, and it's talking about some dark emotions, some dark feelings, um, a, a dark mental state about, you know, just struggling in life, struggling with the miseries that uh, may befall you, and then contemplating, you know, sticking a gun in your mouth. That's, that's basically what the song is about. Sticking a gun in your mouth, contemplating, pulling the trigger. And, you know, as the title goes, it's just a bullet away, you know? Um, I think it, like I said, it, it harkens back to a very dark part of human, you know, existence. I'm sure we've all been in that, that place where it's like, you know what, might just got to bite the bullet, you know, um, and it just, it, yeah, it just speaks to the darker sides of humanity, you know, and, and some of the dark places that we find ourselves in, um, whether it's a positive or ne- negative, uh, um, vibe for this song, you know, is it, is it promoting suicide? I don't think it is, um, is it providing like any kind of help or any kind of support? I don't think it is either. I think it's just kind of, it's describing a position that people find themselves in. Um, whether good or bad, you know, what have you, it, it's, you know, it's just, it is what it is, you know, that and it's a song about a very touchy subject as seen in other Metallica songs where they specifically talk about how, this topic of depression and suicide is still a taboo topic in pop culture, in mainstream uh, U.S. American culture. You know, it's it is taboo, and that's what this song really is. You know, suggesting is that it's a, it's a touchy subject. So I rank this song a three. I like the song, if at the very least it being a touchy subject that uh, will raise some eyes, some eyebrows, get some eyes looking in that direction. So I rank it a three, hard, heavy, also, you know, sad and and angry, you know, so definitely check it out. uh, It's got a lot of uh, uh, emotional uh, stance to it, I guess. Next up on the song, Next up on the album, on the Quasi album, is the song Rebel of Babylon. This is a tribute song to the late Lane Staley of Alice in Chains, who died from a drug overdose in 2002. And so, yeah, it's just Metallica's little farewell uh, tribute 
song to the the musician. I rank this song a two. I don't know too terribly much about the guy. I don't know too much about Alice in Chains. Uh, I've heard a couple of their songs, but they're not one of my favorite bands. So I can't really say too much about them. Uh, or about the song anyway. Uh, I rank it at two. It, it's, it's, you know, it's good. It's a, it's a hard song. It's got some good lyrics to it. Um, hard, heavy, thrashy, you know, like what you expect from from that era of, of rock and, and heavy metal. Um, I'm not going to go out of my way to listen to it. Neither am I going to switch the station away or turn the song off to something else if the song comes on. I'm just, Like I said, it's a two. I'm 50-50 on it. So I rank the song a two and, uh, you know, kind of leave it at that. And then the last song on the Quasi album is the song Hell and Back. I thought it was a, a song about finding reprieve and the vices of the night. However, the song is about uh, coming back from your personal hells in life. Rebounding, you know. Uh, whether it's a one-time thing or something that's a repetitive struggle, a, a, a bounce back type of thing that's a, a, a repeat. This could be hinting at uh, Hetfield's um, struggles with alcoholism or it could be uh, other members or other people's uh, dealings with, with drug addiction. Uh, either way, it's about rebounding from the struggles in life that put you through a living hell. Uh, the hell and back, you know, hence the saying goes. Gone to hell and back. And uh, so it's kind of paying tribute to rebounding, to, to kind of coming out the other side of hell and being a better person, you know, and being more appreciative of life. Um, and uh, attempting to stand strong and not, uh, not have to go to hell again and have to rebound again. So good song I rank it a three overall for this little mini album I know it's only four songs so the uh, I think the uh, the ranking is pretty skewed um, a little bit higher than what it pro- probably would normally be if it was included into the rest of the album so maybe I could go and reapply it to the rest of Death Magnetic and get a, a more updated uh, um, version of it that might be a, an option is I can I can reapply some of these songs into uh, um, their more respective respective albums and uh, kind of revamp my, my uh, ranking of some of these albums but uh, overall you know the grade that I give this is a three you know it's it's hard it's heavy it's fast you know it's it's thrashy it's a it's a thrash metal song. Or, or mini album, you know, it's done good, you know, uh, the lyrics, decent to good, like I've uh, raked or rated for some of their other albums, especially Death Magnetic, decent to good, you know, it kind of fits the bill for Death Magnetic, so it makes sense to come out with Beyond Magnetic with these four songs, it's kind of like a little gesture of, hey, here's some extra, here's some bonus content, if you will, uh, the lyric, lyrical themes are good as well, you know, it's you know, like I said before, for this era of Metallica music, it's kind of like starting to get a little bit repetitive, but not enough to where it's annoying me and uh, making me really want to uh, dislike the music. So, um, 
overall, some of these miscellaneous songs, whether random songs here and there on soundtracks or compilation albums or uh, demo songs or songs from their live performances or just extended play uh, uh, editions, you know, either way, it's pretty good. You know, they got a pretty good catalog, you know, of music. Uh, if you haven't listened to Metallica, I definitely suggest giving them a try. You know, you can kind of do what I did for my synopsis here and run through from start to finish in chronological order from release date and see exactly how they progress as a band. How some of the different band members, primarily the bassist, but also uh, um, the lead guitarist in the case of Dave Mustaine, how they've kind of gone through and, and influenced the sound of Metallica, the, the lyrical themes, the lyrics the music basically understanding what some kind of monster that is Metallica has been throughout the years so um, I'd like to thank you for tuning in today on this uh, bitterly cold Monday afternoon and uh, hope that you've enjoyed this synopsis of Metallica's discography they're their whole collection of music uh, when it comes to their studio recordings for for their songs. Next up on the list, to kind of close out this whole adventure of listening to Metallica this year, I plan on going through and uh, giving you my top 10 favorite Metallica songs, my top 5 studio albums based off the grades that I ranked them. The top 10 songs that I have, like I said, all of my favorite songs are ranked four, but my top five, or my top 10 songs of those will get ranking a a five, which means that that'll adjust that, their album uh, rankings overall, at which case, uh, that will mean a uh, change to the overall album rankings, so I'll go and redo those for, uh, um, the Metallica albums. So that's what my next album is going to, or my next episode is going to be about. It's going to be about my top 10 songs for Metallica, my top, um, five albums from the band. And then I'm also going to go through and rank their instrumentals. I might even include uh, My Friend of Misery in there because it's kind of a quasi-instrumental. Sure, in the studio version, it, it's got lyrics to it, but whenever whenever they play it live, it's always an instrumental. So um, I figured I'd run through and at least get my top three instrumentals that I like. Um, yeah, and so I guess that concludes my synopsis of Metallica's catalog of of songs so stay tuned for later in this month when I kind of double back and give you my favorites from all of their uh, content so thanks for tuning in to the synopsis I am your host Jason of the Detailian Mind hope you have a good rest of your day